welcome to the Top Podcast. Your host, Lou. Joining me with Rob. What's up? And Mike. Hey. I'd like to have a fun question each week. Our fun question this week is, what is your favorite scent? Uh, the smells. Oh, okay. Probably the 50 cent. I, I was going to say a silver dollar or golden dollar, but... Oh, yeah. dang it. That is worth more. Well, I guess... That, no, that, then that's that's wrong. You, that's you, a you dollar, right? though, yeah. yeah. that's a dollar. But it's in a cent piece. Only, only one person on this podcast has a child. Okay. <laughs> Let's not do this. <laughs> I stand alone on Dad Joke Corner. And you are not invited. What what do you got for us, Lou? I didn't I didn't know I'd had to start this. For me, it would be that smell of a morning dew. I think that is like my favorite way to start the day. It reminds me of those really early Bear Lake counselor meetings that you'd have to go to. Or just like I don't know. It sucked waking up that early, especially if you had to stay then stay up to like two because your kids can't stop laughing at farts. But I don't know. I felt like I felt like a really cool way to wake up is to get that that fresh morning dew. I really like fresh baked bread. Mm. That's a solid one. You the baker in your family or? No, I cook. I cook a lot and I can't bake for crap. And my wife is the exact opposite. Although she's getting better at cooking, too. She's starting to become a multi-purpose person. Oh, they're going to say tool. (laughs) I was like, bro. (laughs) (laughs) Well, no, I I realized that that's where that sentence was leading. I was like, that wasn't my intent to make that like to express that concept. So I need a I need a I need a veer quickly. It's man, that's that's such a hard question for me. My first thought was pine. Like, I just love the smell of like, you know, Mm. pine needles. Then I also love the smell of like a natural, a completely natural like campfire. So no lighter fluid or no other. Yeah, but that Mm. is my goodness. That's so good. So I guess uh, a camp, a natural campfire in pine in the pine woods. So like a burnt pine campfire. There we go. I guess so. Yeah. I, I haven't gotten to the point where I can smell different like woods. Like I can't tell you what a, a difference between a, a fresh oak cut down and a fresh pine cut down is. But I will say I did a, like a six month stint working as a, a laborer for a carpenter. And the smell of wood just kind of it, it it started to remind me of work. So that did kind of um, start to lower the scent. Like they have those Febreze sprays that like are, are wood. And I remember I got it once because I'm like, I like the smell of wood. I sprayed it. And I'm like, nope, this reminds me of work. Can't use this anymore. Yeah, usually somebody's favorite scent is connected to like a, a good memory. But yours is the opposite. <laughs> well, like, I, I liked it before. and It's then, been tainted. Yeah, it's been tainted. <laughs> also, shout right. out to uh, Fresh Sizzling Bacon. My dear listener, let me share a little secret with you. You see. We're about to dive deep into some seriously twisted tales, and I wouldn't want to spoil the fun for you. So here's your friendly Joker warning. If you haven't experienced the chaos and mayhem we're about to discuss, consider yourself warned. You're in for a wild ride, and remember, it's all just a podcast. Yeah. So this week we were talking about favorite NPCs. Uh, what is your guys' definition of a good NPC? Uh, someone that just takes the news at face value and doesn't think for themselves. <laughs> All right. Do we want uh, Do we want to pull up like a like an internet definition, or well, do we just want to? I mean, yeah, it's, it's, Mike, uh, if you want to, if you want to pull up the exact definition, I guess I'll I'll give you my actual answer. Yeah, I mean, we can get our intern to pull it up. That's true. Yeah, the internet on it. Uh, so NPC obviously stands for a non-playable character. So for the most part, I'd say that's a, a character you interact with. And maybe there's a specific scene in like Mass Effect where one of the NPCs you get to play for a brief moment. And I think that 
would still count as an NPC, even though you could control them for like a, a 10 minute moment. So when they're predominantly okay. out of your control, I think that is a good definition of NPC. And that can be villain, side character, random villager. Yeah, it's uh, it's all pretty in line with uh, what the research department is telling me. Just any, any character that you don't control. I did see when I was because I did a little little digging on that. And it's super annoying because that the term NPC has so many like it's rolled into pop culture at this point. And so there's like some other uses. One of the things I saw was that like it's not somebody you fight. And I think that's BS. Like I think it, somebody can be an NPC and uh, an enemy that you have conflict in. However, the game provides that and have them still be an NPC. I think that idea is kind of silly. I think it was more saying like it can't be just a generic like a zombie. You know, like that's not an NPC. Would but, would you consider Trainer Joey an NPC? Poke, Pokemon Trainer Joey. Yeah. OK, because he's someone you fight, but he's like, you know, the first person, first name trainer in the Pokemon games. Right. So Pokemon, I, I would say that Pokemon is like the reason I draw a hard stance on NPCs being somebody you can engage in whatever the video game conflict is, because um, I think Pokemon is full of N- great NPCs and you battle almost all of them. That's true. That's fair. All right. I'll start us off. We were just talking about this before we recorded, but Mass Effect, I think, has the best NPCs of all time and it was super hard to pick one i decided to pick joker the pilot of the ship i also think it's super hilarious that he was voiced by seth green my favorite npcs that i've noticed are just tend to be ride or dies they just tend to be like people who just like show you love and i think it's so funny that you have choices in in mass effect that you could just be a hard nose crazy character and joker is not gonna he's gonna pilot that ship no matter if you decide to completely eradicate a whole civilization and that that's and that's dedication. I appreciate that. Yeah. Did you guys ever play? Um, I, n- I never played Mass Effect to the endless um, frustration of Jacob, Andrew's older brother. But did you ever play Dishonored? Play like the first two. I, I played the first one. Okay. Samuel the Boatman I, is an honorable okay. mention for me. And he's kind of the same way where like whether you go evil or you go good, he, he always takes you takes you to your mission. The reason I like him, too, is at the end, based on whether you went evil or good, you get a different ending with him. I feel like I yeah, understand, I mean, even though I've never played the game. Spoilers. Doesn't he uh, turn on you if you're if you do bad? Yeah. If you're right evil, yeah. like as he's flying away, or as he's uh, sailing away, he like shoots up a flare. And let yeah, everybody yeah, know yeah. you're coming. Yeah. Okay. Just he also sure. just reads you the riot act. Like he just chews you out for being a terrible person. But yeah. Joker was, uh, that's the reason I said there are some times where you might control him. Cause there is a part in mass effect Two where the, sh- the ship gets taken him. over and Joker's like the yeah. only one not captured. So you control Joker. And honestly, he, I spoiler have a, a mass effect character on here and it, it was just a roll of dice for me. Like I thought about Joker, but end up going a different direction. So I, I 100% agree that he's a, a great NPC. And he's funny, too. I do. Yeah, he's super funny. And he tries to have sex with a robot, which I, I think I was going to say, way before his respect. time, he yeah, yeah. falls in love with AI. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, oh, and I, I'm sorry. The most important part, he has, like, this, like, disease where his bones break. And so, like, he's crippled. So uh, so anything that he does when he was trying to save the ship is, like, extra cool because his bone can break from, like, a feather falling on it. Is it like uh, Sam Jackson in Unbreakable? I've never seen that movie, but yes. Ooh, yeah, check it out. It's like it's yeah, underrated. Yeah. I think it's like his bones are hollow or something like that. There's some birth defect that any like Ooh. little force will basically break the bones. Yeah, you should probably pilot a spaceship. That that, that seems like the best <laughs> solution for that. Yeah, I mean, the only reason why I play the game is because Robert gave me the guilt trip. 
<laughs> and, I, and I played them all. And I, I don't regret it. It was a really good time. True. I gave you uh, oh look my uh, the top podcast hat that you can get on Redbubble just uh, just arrived apparently at my door. But I gave Lou. I had a, a PS3 that was just collecting dust, and I'm like Lou. He was over we were playing video games, and he mentioned something about having it. And I said about getting it, and I said you can have it as long as you get Mass Effect Three or Mass the Mass Effect trilogy and play it. Mm. And it wasn't until the Mass Effect Remastered Edition came out for the PS4 or whatever that ended up playing it. But uh, <laughs> have you even plugged that PS3 in yet? No, no, yeah. it sits pretty though. I really it, do appreciate it. Yeah, that, that, you're I mean, allowed to least... grab it back. You're allowed to have it anytime that you want. No, I'm good. I actually have been thinking of getting. I'll take it. There you go. Of getting a uh, because it is the first edition uh, PS3, so you can play PS2 and PS1 games on it too. So that's oh that's for real. Cool. Yeah, or at least PS2 yeah. games. I don't remember about one. But I've that's been thinking, really cool. I've been thinking about actually getting like a PS2 shell that just like looks really nice. It doesn't even have to work, but like the old fat PS2 shell that's just like the iconic mm-hmm. look and using it as a decorative piece somewhere. I just don't know where I put it though. Idea. My uh, my number five is Yuri. Oh gosh, Watanabe um, from Spider Man 2018. Uh, she is kind of your. Your Commissioner Gordon equivalent in the game. She's your your connection in the police department. Her and Spider-Man just have just the most enjoyable um, friendship dynamic. I really enjoy it. Peter does this thing where he gets this really gruff voice and he plays this character called Spider-Cop. Uh, and so he'll he'll have like the grizzled noir self-narration while they're on the phone and it just drives Yuri insane and it is it's so much fun it's kind of like a big brother little brother and or little sister like antagonistic relationship but at the same time they're going through the hardship of New York City starting to fall apart and them having to put the pieces back together yeah yeah it's just it's an awesome dynamic and then she has kind of a a fall from grace turn to the dark side storyline in the dlc which was kind of heartbreaking because she was one of my favorite characters for sure i almost i just had like a brain fart i'm like oh so is she replacing barbara gordon no that's batman idiot (laughs) (laughs) i will say spider noir from into the spider-verse one of my favorite iterations from that that movie (laughs) with nicholas cage as the voice actor so Uh, good yeah that was a good one. I'm uh yeah the the Spider Verse movies I'm I'm gonna not get started on them because uh, we won't have a podcast if I start it'll just be one endless rambling but those those are some of my favorite movies of all time beautiful animation that's what I'll say mm-hmm. so when we were talking about this topic or when I was thinking over this topic I got to really thinking what makes a good NPC and I think obviously that's gonna start off with the writing if you don't have a well written character it's not gonna be a memorable NPC then second. What is the the next biggest thing I say is the voice actor. If you can get someone who just puts their heart and soul into the performance, they'll make it not only memorable because of the writing, but that voice actor will just make it fly off the page. So for my first one or my number five, it's kind of a weird pick. Uh, it's from Portal 2. Now, I know most people will say, GLaDOS. dude, I oh, we'll say GLaDOS from Portal 2. But my first my first instinct, which is kind of the gut feeling that I went off for Portal 2 was Cave Johnson. If you don't know who Cave Johnson is, uh, he's voiced by jk simmons so already you have a great voice actor there but basically he's he's the founder of aperture science which you're a test subject for aperture science and he built this huge testing facility and one thing i didn't know which is surprising if you've listened to this podcast and all my my fun michigan facts the the main testing facility from portal is built in the up i didn't know that until i was doing research on the character and all that so really yeah 
That's they, pretty cool. He bought uh, huge salt mines, which I don't know if they're in the UP, but I know there's a huge salt mine under Detroit, so they're probably in the UP. He bought a huge salt mine up there and like revamped it into, into the testing facility. He's already dead by the time you start to interact with him and you just get these these voice recordings. And it is just funny. Like I could just go when I'm bored and listen to his his memoirs and his kind of rantings. And he he is just such a well fleshed out and funny character. Um, and the writing he, in Portal is just top notch. It is. And he is he's one of the persons that will always put science before morals. I, I, I included a memorable quote from my NPCs here. And this is one of my favorite ones that just sticks out in my head. It goes, those of you who have volunteered to be injected with the praying mantis DNA. I've got some good news and some bad news. Bad news is we're postponing those tests indefinitely. Good news <laughs> is that we have a much better test for you. Fighting an army of mantis men. Pick up a rifle and follow the yellow line. You'll know when the test starts. <laughs> and, and that just kind of en- encompasses like what he's about. And just picture instead of me doing that, J.K. Simmons. And it's fantastic. You played uh, J. Jonah Jameson in the, the Raimi Spider-Man movies, right? Yes. Yeah. Yep. That's yeah. why I thought it was so funny that you just got talking about Spider-Man and he brought up. Uh, he also, I think he's also the voice actor for Jameson in the Spider-Man games. And Yuri edged him out by like a hair. It was it was really close. If I hadn't cheated and had two people later down the line, I probably would have done a, a tag team number five because J.K. Simmons just elevates every role. It makes those, is it the farmer's insurance he is? That makes them entertaining. Yes. I don't think he yeah, does them anymore. Yeah. About those. Have you guys seen Whiplash? Yeah. I saw Andrew Whiplash. has. Yeah. I've, I, that's on my, it's like perpetually on my list of movies I, I want to watch. And I just know he's like, I'm pretty sure he does, a, everyone says he does a fantastic role in that. It was absolutely crazy. Like, you don't even have to love like music to like appreciate, to appreciate that. Mm-hmm. Um, absolutely crazy TV show. I mean, movie. It was really good. All right, it's back up to me. So my my fourth is uh, Dexter from Jack and Dexter. So Jack and so Naughty Dog period is my absolute favorite gaming company. And but it started off with Jack and Dexter. I think the definition of a sidekick, I think, is like it would be it would be Dexter. Dexter, super simple. He pulls a Joker. He falls into a plat. Is falls into a vat of eco. What what did he call it? They called it again dark eco. I'm gonna ooze. Some type of ooze. He falls into this dark ego and he turns into a muskrat. And the whole three games plus some iterations, he pretty much sits on your on your shoulder, and you eat other characters with him. I don't know if he actually hits them with them, but it looks like he beats. Oh, other beat! I thought you said eat. I'm like, what game are you playing? No, <laughs> no, beat. He beats them with the muskrat. It kind of looks like it. I don't know if he actually. Is yeah, I think that, he like when- lunge punches, but the animation style looks like he's hitting him with Dexter. Hit him with Dexter. Uh, the reason why I love Dexter is because he is just a classic one-liner character. It's just like for like for the writers of Dexter, they just wanted to hit him with that old school, super not that funny, but kind of funny, uh, just one-liners. So if you die, he'll usually say something silly. Uh, but my favorite, uh, my favorite thing he ever talks about is his desire to wear pants again since he turned into a muskrat. Uh, and I don't know why it just like brings me back to childhood. Uh, he's kind of a horny little muskrat. So he always like falls in love with like mm-hmm. some sort of like woman character. And he tries to be a smooth character, but it never really turns out because he's just a muskrat. You do play him in some mini games, uh, but for the most part, he's pretty much just an NPC. I don't remember. I didn't play. I think I may have only played one through three, maybe once, but started one to redo the series all over again. Doesn't he get an opportunity to turn back into a uh, elf or whatever they are? Yeah. 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 He gets it. And I, I think I can't remember exactly why, but I'm pretty sure his girlfriend likes him as a muskrat. So he just stays as a muskrat. I don't, I don't know if that's the reason why. <laughs> 
so and it's funny that he falls in love with like this just classic southern blonde hair woman it's good it's a good time you said ratchet and clank and until i googled it far too far into you guys talking i was i'm sorry you said jack and dexter and i was picturing ratchet and clank for the first mm. 70% of that. And I was like, muskrat, muskrat. Oh, wrong game. I forgot about Jack and Dexter. And we were kind of talking before the show that this was a hard list for me just because I have such a big library of games I played and I feel like I was going to miss one. Very good choice with Dexter. Yeah, that, that brought back memories of Spyro. And then uh, Hunter from Spyro was he was a classic. Yeah. Yeah. When I was doing my research, I had a really hard time because I feel like I've left so many characters out on the table on the cutting board. The cutting floor. That's the. That's yeah, yeah. 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 Cutting yeah, room yeah, the floor. Cutting floor. Honestly, the second I hit five, I just stopped because I couldn't like I it took me so long to get one that I was like, all right, these were the first five that came to me. These are the ones I'm sticking with. Oh, and I'm next, aren't I? Cool. My number four is Hornet from Hollow Knight. Oh shoot! Hollow Knight is yeah the um, she's kind of she's kind of like the you you learn um, later into the game that uh, well I don't know if you learn it or not but if you dig enough in the lore you discover that Hornet is actually your half sister but at first she's just this mysterious figure that runs away from you and so you're, you're constantly chasing her and she leads you farther into the game and you have a couple of battles and the two battles with hornet are i wouldn't say they're my favorite in the game but they're easily easily in my top five hollow knight boss fights just really really good kind of skill gates where if you haven't mastered combat and movement and all the different combat and movement skills you have up until the point where you have to fight her, you don't get to continue. And so it's because Hollow Knight is one of those games that starts easy and then gets just punishingly difficult by the end. It's kind of important that they make sure, hey, before we let you keep going, you got to make sure you have all these different tactics down. So from a just a raw nuts and bolts perspective, she's really a fantastic character. But then just her move set is so interesting And the way they kind of made her threatening and mysterious is just super cool. And she's going to be the main character of the alleged sequel that has been getting pushed back for so long that I'm starting to think Patrick Rothfuss is involved in the uh, in the writing of the game. Could be Martin too. But, uh, or, or, or Martin. But yeah, so it's one of those things where she's still an NPC until that game comes out, so it counts. But I'm super excited to play her full game. I'm super excited to learn her whole new moveset. That's just super interesting. Yeah, great battles. And then the other cool thing is after you you beat her the final time, she, uh, she shows up and helps you get like there's three different ways to complete the the final boss she helps you get either the middle or the best ending and if you only get the middle ending i'm pretty sure she dies in the process so you get depending on how you you play the game you either get locked away and hornet is locked away from you permanently or hornet helps you defeat the final boss but dies in the process or hornet helps you truly defeat the final boss who's hidden within what you think is the final boss. Yeah, so it's just super cool where you go from kind of adversaries to to friends who are kind of in it together and fighting fighting through the muck. And yeah, I I think she's one of my for for a game with almost no dialogue and no voice acting, she's she's one of my all-time favorites to the extent that my wife's ringtone is her boss theme and my text tone is her attack sound. <laughs> So whenever I get a text from my Mackenzie, my phone goes, Adino! <laughs> That's pretty awesome. I've, I played that game twice now, and I did not know she was my half-sister. Yeah, I only know because I 
uh, went down some hardcore rabbit holes both times. Okay. I've I've played it once all the way through. I didn't 100% it. I like I over 100%ed it, but there's still more. Like I got like 105%, but I think you can get like 118 that's, or something with, with DLC. I agree. Yeah, so I, I beat it all the way once, and then I, I got very far into it twice besides that. Every single time I ended up just going down a huge YouTube rabbit hole because I just get obsessed with that game when I start playing it. Does does that game take like a Dark Souls approach to storytelling or lore at least? <laughs> OK, um, both. It, it, honestly, it's kind of it's a Metroidvania meets Dark Souls. Uh, like it has the when you die, you lose your you lose all your money and you have to get back and recover it. The cool thing is instead of just picking up a blood stain, you actually have to kill your shade, which is kind of fun. And as you acquire new spells and power ups, it acquires those spells and power ups. So at first it's really easy, but it, it's never difficult, but it can be kind of annoying towards the end game because it's like, oh, this thing has a bunch of spells I have to dodge yeah. to kill it. And yeah. it's somewhere dangerous because I died. And so it, that's a fun element. And then, yeah, it's got that thing where it's like you can play through the whole game and kind of have a vague idea of what was going on. Or you can dive headfirst into the lore and find lore tablets and you get these items that you can sell to a specific vendor. Um, so they kind of work like the um, like the raw souls that you can break in the Dark Souls game, mm -hmm. except when you sell them to that the vendor, he'll give you a little piece of lore to go along with that information. Yeah, it's just it's a really, really interesting and well done lore game. But at the same time, because I'm, I'm a gameplay first kind of person, like I like games where the movement is really good. That's kind of my favorite thing is games where I'm moving in a way that makes me feel awesome. This this totally nails that. But its environment is so rich and interesting that it makes makes me want to dig into the lore and almost no game ever makes me care about lore. Lou, are you a, a story or gameplay person first? Well, or I guess hard to... which would you choose? Like if you had the choose one above the other uh, it would easily be gameplay i mean like i know it's gameplay because dark souls is my favorite series and i don't care much about the lore in dark souls i've, I've um, beaten dark souls at least 20 times like i've maxed out the new game plus could barely tell you what's going on <laughs> yeah yeah it's just dark souls i mean from software have has such an opportunity to build such an amazing story and especially when you even hire just an amazing story writer and you still just give out this like half butt story where you have to dive into and read items, subscriptions and stuff. And so, yeah, I'm definitely a gameplay guy. Now, I do know there's a lot of people who love that approach because like they get to play archae archaeologists a little bit and kind of just unearth the lore. Like some people just that is uh, scratches their itch. And um, I that? don't get it personally, but some style? people love it. What's that style of storytelling again? Is it environmental? Oh, there is a term. There's a term. environmental storytelling. Is it that? I couldn't remember. I or don't past. remember off I the top know. of my head. Well, and, and I don't honestly. It should be the main approach because when you when I think of that style of storytelling, Dark Souls immediately comes to mind. Hollow Knight comes to mind. The the Metroid Prime series comes to mind, and those are all obscenely well received games. And I, I'm a big Metroid fan. Not a huge Metroid Prime fan. I prefer the 2D games. But it's like, hey, when you look at some of the, the best rated and best received games of all time, that's kind of a common thread. You also get it in uh, Dishonored and the Bioshock games have some of that. Like, I don't know. I It, it seems to me that that's should be the only way to go maybe maybe that's just because it's what i like yeah i mean I my know. argument is if the gameplay wasn't good and if it was only just the storyline i don't think anybody would play those games i think oh, the telltale games 
yeah, I was gonna say I think I have a, a few and one of them's my honorable mention, but I think gameplay hundred percent is important. Like if you have a completely you could have the best story in the world, but since it's a video game, if the gameplay is absolute crap, then it's it's gonna suck. But there are some games that are ve- like basically walking simulators that are very engaging and good stories. And I feel like recently for me, one example would be Baldur's Gate. I am having the most fun I've had with a video game in a long time. And most of that is because of the story and the characters. And you're just like, I, I keep on thinking about this and like the story and everything. The gameplay, it's it's just, you know, combat D&D. And like that's I, I like combat D&D, but I get tired of it pretty, pretty quickly. The other aspects of D&D are the, the better part. But at the end of the day, it's just a turn based. But the story is what kind of puts it over the edge for me. So. Yeah, our, I guess RPGs really are kind of the other side of the of my coin there is that there's entire games that are basically built around story. And then RPG mechanics are fu- like they're fun. Yeah. It really kind of is the story propping those games up. Yeah. So when I think of like my greatest game of all time, like which is Skyrim, like the gameplay Eh, but the it's the environment and the world and like the story that they built and the mods, obviously the mods make drag that game out a lot. But like that's the the fun stuff from it. So I don't disagree. I will say that should have been the uh, the funny question. Well, it's not really funny. You know, that's true. That is a very topic heavy question. I mean, yeah. My number four comes from the Red Dead Redemption games. And if you guys don't know anything about Red Dead Redemption, it's basically a, a Hollywood Western simulator. So think of. All the Clint Eastwoods and all your your classic Western movies. And this is a story first game, but there is some really good gameplay. And the second one, it's called Red Dead Redemption 2, is actually a prequel to Red Dead Redemption. It's weird, weird terminology. But most of the interaction with this character comes in the second one, which is before the first one. But he's in the first one. So, you know, it's just some weird time stuff. So if you, you get confused if I if I mention something about the future being the first one. That That is the reason. But when my number four is Dutch Vanderlyn, voiced by Benjamin Davis. In Red Dead Redemption 2, you're playing as part of the Vanderlyn gang. And obviously, if the, the name's... The gang is named after someone. It's its leader, Dutch. And through that uh, game, he is just like the smooth talking, big picture leader of the, the band of cowboy outlaws that the main character is a part of. He starts out as this guy you kind of look up to and the main character looks up to him. They've they've been with each other for so long and like he makes the, the best decisions for the group. And he kind of started off, especially when you get the story, he starts off as this Robin Hood. He's going to steal from the, the rich and give to the poor. But as you go through the game, it seems like no matter what little victory you have, you take every two steps forward, you're taking 10, 10 steps back. And just slowly as the game goes, you see him start to get become paranoid and kind of delve into to madness. And he just takes these losses so much. And his moral compass begins to crumble. The main character is basically like the voice of reason in the gang. And then the side character, Micah, is like the devil in the game that just wants them to be chaotic. And it's kind of like a yes man. Just whenever he has a crazy off the wall idea, Michael's like, yeah, let's go for it. And who cares? Whatever the consequences are. Micah ends up manipulating Dutch to the point where the gang is basically forced apart. He Dutch drives the gang out by kicking him out, thinking they're paranoid. They're, they're turning him into the Pinkertons and all that. And it is just it's, it's heartbreaking to see. And going back and playing, you can kind of see that. His moral compass may have not been exactly like what it was presented to be. And it's just these failures have compounded and wore him down. So my member quote that kind of shows the dichotomy of this man who has a code, but he'll do whatever it takes to get his his gang, especially himself, out of trouble. It comes to a point where the, the gang robs uh, a government. I don't remember if it's a post office or what, but they, they rob some government entity and they're holed up in a, a trolley car. 
and there's a shootout and there's some innocent people on board. And he says, we don't want to kill any of you, but trust me, we will. And that just shows like, man, this guy, he has jumped off the edge and full on just almost joker because he just puts himself first and you really don't see that first he, he does a good job masking it as he's putting the group's interest first but really at the end of the day he, he's just been kind of this grand manipulator and it's really all been about him that's really cool i've i've heard uh i've never played either of those games and that is the first thing that's actually made me genuinely consider picking them up yeah it's great and i i really like the gunplay it's a, a third person shooter and it, it is basically a cowboy simulator like you and there's also that game itself it doesn't have anything to do with the npcs but they're kind of what i hear a lot of people thought of breath of the wild i didn't have the same experience but there were times i'd be riding my horse and then just the scenic view would be there of the old west or you know it's based off of old western things and you just like stop and just kind of take it in and that's that mm-hmm. type of immersion is something you don't get very frequently at least i don't so would highly recommend those games if you haven't played them. Yeah, there are very few games that get me to stop and just enjoy the scenery, but I, I love it when I find one. Isn't two um, just obscenely large? Yeah, it's it's a huge world, and actually, I think incorporates most of what from the first one, like a good portion of the first one's map too. Oh, that's cool. Have you played them? Yeah, I had. I played. So I played a little bit. So I played a little bit of the first one when it first came out. But then I got to Mexico and I, for some reason, I just quit. I don't know if that makes. I don't know if that makes any. Um, and then I played all of the second one. I feel like I missed some of the detail of the second one because I don't didn't remember playing the first one. Mm-hmm. So I didn't even know that it was a prequel when I was playing it. I will say that that was the first game where I just I don't, I don't there isn't fast travel in the second one, right? You have to like use a train to go places. You you go and you pay money to get on a train to take you to the, the the train stations. Yeah, so I think that was the first game where it didn't bother me that there wasn't a fast travel, just because I had a feeling that I was going to run into something mm-hmm. that was missing the opportunity if I if there was going to be a fast travel. It's a really good game. Yeah. And weird thing that I wish they did with the second one, but for the first game they had, it wasn't canon, but they did this downloadable content just for fun. It was called Undead Nightmare, where basically the whole world had become zombie infested and like ammo was really hard to find. And you were just trying to survive the zombie apocalypse in the Old West. That was so much fun. I wish they brought it back for the second one, but I doubt they're going to do that because they're already moving on to GTA 6. I think I've seen the cut. Like, was there a special cover? Yeah, it was John Morrison with like a double barrel shotgun or maybe just a regular zombie with a double barrel shotgun. Yeah, I I remember seeing that and being like, what the heck is this? It's wild. Um, But it was still cool looking. Like, I was like, this is neat, but what is going on? All right. Uh, So my number three is, I feel like I'm going to struggle with his name. And I looked it up a couple of times. Kim Sergora uh, from Disco Elysium. And so it was so funny that we were just talking about the difference between gameplay and story. And I was pro gameplay. But Disco Elysium, if you haven't played it, it's uh, it's a over the top, pretty much point and click game. There's like and it's all storyline. And I thought it was it was honestly my favorite game uh, this year before I played Boulder's Gate. It was such a beautiful storyline, such beautiful characters and such a meek world. I I, I can't praise it enough the pretty simple the the story is is that you're this drunken cop who is an amazing cop but he's a hardcore drinker and you drink so much that you completely forget to do anything like you forget how to speak you forget you're only left with your primal your your primal feelings It, it is super hilarious how you start off um and as you wake up you start remembering how to like walk and how like what your face looks like 
completely your your mind is completely erased. But then you find out that you're a cop, <laughs> and and you then you find out that your cop is on a mission, on a, a not a mission. What do you call it? A crime scene. You're pretty much living on a crime scene, and there's a dead man hanging from a tree, and it's your job to figure out uh, why this dead man or who killed this dead man <laughs> and then like a little bit afterwards you run into kim and he is the most straight lace he's pretty much your yin to your yang if you're like this drunken cop he is like the the straight lace bitty by the book character and as you do this mission with him or as you discover this crime scene uh you start to fall in love with him because of if his, he starts talking to you about his backstory and as you're going through this crime scene and as you're like trying to figure out who killed this man, I just like I've I, I made decisions based off of I wondering what Kim would think about me. And that's when I figured nice. out that I knew this was a really cool guy and that this is a really cool NPC because I cared about another man's decision that's not even real. And so I've made <laughs> me want to be a better cop. And that was awesome. <laughs> Did that game come out this year? I think no, I doubt that. I I think a couple years ago or okay. last year. Really good news though. Did you say the last name was Segura? No, Kim Kits Kits. No, I did not say no because that's Tom Segura's last name. Yeah, he, that was that was what, uh, what it made me think of is the the bit where so like he says his name, he's checking into a hotel, and yeah. the guy's like, "Are you Japanese?" <laughs> Segura. He's like, "No." He's like, "Segura." <laughs> and you said that, and I almost just laughed over you talking because that that no. joke jumped into my head. Yeah, yeah, no, no, no. Um, it's something like that though. I just didn't want to butcher it. Really good game. I recommend it if you want a good storyline. It was one of the first games I played where I was really upset the fact that it ended. Like I was like, give me like ten more hours. Like, <laughs> like it. It was. I feel like there was like things that still needed to be done, and they just like took you away. So I'm waiting until like a couple years where I completely figure the storyline and I play it again. Very nice. So that's that's me. Nice. Uh, my number three is Jade Aldemir from Dying Light. Dying Light was one I picked up pretty recently, actually, and it just immediately jumped up in my uh, my rankings. And it's a it's a zombie survival game where you're kind of you're in the quarantine zone and you're trying to solve some wildly contrived political plot line. The game's the game's in, or the story of the game is incredibly cheesy, but for my money. That's what you want in a in a full zombie survival game. I, I want the camp. I want the the cliches. And so Jade, she you get bit right away, right as you make it into in the uh, into the the quarantine zone. And Jade and her, I don't know if it's her boyfriend, her partner, what it is, um, but you know the person she 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 works with they save you and the partner gets just devoured by zombies and so it, the game starts out where jade kind of doesn't like you because you cost her her friend and as the game progresses she's kind of she becomes this kind of a love interest but also just someone that you have mutual respect for like she is just as able and intelligent as you are and so there's all this push and pull dynamic as everybody has their own agenda she also has a little brother who's a fantastic character by the end of the game both of them turn and you have to be the one to kill each of them 
Uh, and so it was really between the two of them. But for me, Jade was the one that I I connected with that that storyline more because you, you spend so much time in danger and having to trust this person to have your back and having to go out on a limb to try and save them. And so even though the story of the game was kind of silly and nothing special, I thought the the relationship you developed with with Jade was genuinely touching. And I was actually a little bit upset when you break her neck after she turns into a zombie. <laughs> it was. It, it's a rough scene where you're just like, oh, I really thought maybe like we could both make it out of this alive. That, that's probably uh, my appreciation for the character is probably a little skewed by how much I enjoyed the game. But it's it's pretty difficult to separate the game and the NPC to me. Like you just get bonus points for being in a game I like. I love Dying Light, the first one. Uh, it's that so jump kick. That jump click. It's so broken. So good. Yeah, I just it really. And, and then that like, I love when games can just like the reason why I don't want to go in a huge ramp. But like the reason why I love Dark Souls so much is that it literally like takes my breath away when I'm mm-hmm. trying to I'm fighting a boss and I'm so close and I'm one hit away and they're one hit away. And I get that last hit. And I can finally breathe. Yep. I like that night when it turned into nighttime and then oh, you're being chased. Mm-hmm. oh my gosh at like another like just like taking my breath away so yeah it is yeah the the night is so good it was so good that i basically didn't play at nighttime for the longest time like i kept <laughs> yeah. my eye on the sun and i was like oh it's 5 p.m i'm getting to a safe house i <laughs> will not be caught in the dark the minecraft yeah, 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 and I I got it after I got it way after it came out for PS5 or I got it on PS5, but it's the PS4 version. And so it came with all the DLC. And so halfway through, I was like, oh, I can craft a bow. That's kind of cool. And apparently I crafted a DLC bow that was super OP. So like halfway through the game, I was like, oh, I got this bow and it's going to it kills like everything in one shot, <laughs> one headshot, like headshot is an auto one hit kill. But I was like. But the arrows are pretty limited. And so I, you know, I was really conservative with it until I realized you could pick up arrows. And then I just tore through the tail end of that game. Just nothing could stop me. I was just running. I like I basically went from terrified all the time to I'm arrow now and nothing can stand in my way. Yeah. Uh, I think you meant to say Daryl, but I'll let that pass. Arrow as in the green arrow. From I, the, I, I got you. The TV I, show. I was making a Walking Dead reference because it was zombies. Uh, I watched one episode back in the day. I was I really enjoyed it. And then r- right as he was under that tank or whatever that vehicle was, my Netflix was like, hey, uh, you haven't paid and we're done letting you not pay. And so it literally stopped mid episode. And then by the time I paid for Netflix again, I was just like, yeah, I'm on to something else. What? a Yeah. What a crappy time to end because that horse gets eaten. Oh, it's, it's getting real. <laughs> like, yeah. yeah, it was intense. I was like, this is really yeah. good. What, what, is the Wi-Fi gone? What's happening? <gasps> I haven't yeah. paid and I'm 22 and have no money. What am I going to do? Because that's like right when like he meets the other crew that becomes his crew. Yeah. Yeah. And then he finds out that his best friend is having sex with his wife. And if you I, say so. What a way to. And then aliens come and then they find out that aliens. Are the reason why. Yep. And then the hells of the hell's gates spawn open. It's just wild. Basically, every it's end wild. times is in The Walking Dead. Yeah, it's crazy. So my number three is also a Mass Effect trilogy character and kind of like what I, I alluded to before i feel like i could take a six to eight sided dice roll it with a, a list of like the best characters in that game and i would be happy kind of picking either of them but i decided to go with one i think basically because her alien species is super interesting to me i think that's quite, kind of what made her stand out from the rest of the crowd it's a uh, tally zora vos normandy voiced by a uh, liz sroka 
probably said that terribly, but you know, hey, blame my dyslexia. The Quarian people are basically nomads. They created this like super advanced AI that ended up rebelling against them. And now they um, in their home world was like super free of diseases that so much that when they left their home world, they have to be in these super airtight, disease free spacesuits because if like someone coughed to them, basically their whole society would be compromised because they just have such a weak immune system. They're just continually they have this giant fleet called the migrant fleet that is just continually roaming space. So this person is from that fleet. And you first meet her on this pilgrimage. Uh, she's on the pilgrimage because the a rite of passage in that society is you go and find something of use to the fleet and you bring it back and you get it accepted into a, one of the ships. You, you meet her there and she already starts out as like this kind of this BA where she's like, this uh, this really bad guy is doing really bad stuff and I'm going to go turn him in. I don't care that people are chasing after me and threatening to kill me. I'm going to go and I'll, I'll like I'll fight him for it. She starts out also kind of naive in that sense that she's, you know, I'm just going to go turn him in like it's the right thing to do. And she just her character grows so much through all three games that she ends up like becoming a leader and like really leading her people to to the victory. But then like you see her when her whole squad gets wiped out and one thing, she's just like heartbroken. You really feel for her. And at times she become she can be kind of morally gray and she's always willing to put other people's needs in front of her own. And you, you kind of see her work through all these different things, like threat of exile from her company, uh, having to work with people who are her people's sworn enemies. So they have to work it with, the gith with a, a member of the gith who is part of the ai and she is like torn between do i just kill this this machine because that's what i'm supposed to do or can i use them for better information kind of understand them more kind of i don't really have a memorable quote because so much of mass effect is your player character along with two companions and it would just be kind of hard to pick one thing out that would be good in context without having to explain oh well you know garris was talking about this because this event was happening all that so i just think it was a uh, one memorable moment for me with tally is when in mass effect 3 she finally has this chance to go back to her home world but she decides that like her crew that she is with with uh your main character on the normandy is her actual home and she's like i'll stay with you guys who thick and thin even though you're about to go on this like death run and she has the chance to escape but she's like no this is i want to be with my people on my home and just like growing with this character meant a lot also, she drinks all of her booze through a straw. It's just funny, like hardcore, like a hard liquor. She's drinking through a, a straw. I think she she her people don't have a, a term for it. So she calls it like an emergency exhaust port or something like that or emergency intake port. And it's just funny. Like She is allergic to that's the reason why she has to wear that mask because she's allergic to. Well, it's just the people have such a weak immune system. So even like the alcohol, yeah. they have to like trip or triple quadruple filter it so that they can have they can drink it and it not compromise their immune systems and just the mask and like design of the quarian species is really cool all right so my second one i feel like you know if we did have fans to like get mad at us i feel like this one would be the one that they get mad at but uh <laughs> last of us uh ellie i think i just tried so hard not to put her on the list i couldn't do it i just feel like it had to be done i know you can play her even in the first game versus even her being one of the main characters in the second one. Most of the time, she is an NPC. I just love Ellie. I think she is just sassy. She's loving. She's witty. She's just like a full of. She's a full of life in a in a dead world, and she completely brings the energy versus Joel, who is just like rough and tumbling character. Without Ellie, Joel would just be like another dead end main character where we really didn't care about what happens to him. I mean, you could have some sympathy with him because his 
daughter dies in like the first 10 minutes of the game i feel like after that he doesn't really have a lot of redeeming qualities he's just like just a cowboy but yeah i i think ellie did an amazing job i don't know do i have to should i explain the game i feel like everybody pretty much knows i mean if you want to do us. it for uh for my mother-in-law she probably doesn't know the the premise of the last of us <laughs> she listened to all of them i mean yeah she you listened? see she she was asking you where uh I, where your I, hand yeah, is and <laughs> And you didn't. Re- uh, I did not respond. Do you want to no, address that live? Uh, yeah, live. I am just a procrastinator. So it wasn't actually in the mail. It's never. It's never. <laughs> it's never been in the mail. Cake is a lie. <laughs> the cake Can't is a believe lie. Believe that you lied to his mother-in-law. Now I have to I, think of I, another I sticker. <laughs> Honestly, it makes that sticker better, in my opinion. <laughs> yeah, that's fair. All right. So the Last of Us. Uh, think of zombie apocalypse, but plants. Yeah, it's like a fungus, right? Like a fungus. Yeah, like a plant fungus that turns people into zombies. Ellie is a person who uh, got bit, but didn't turn into a plant zombie. So Joel's job is to uh, travel with Ellie across the United States to Seattle. I think they were like in Boston. So from Boston all the way to Seattle to a Firefly, which is a group of people who just like rebelled against the government, uh, a Firefly science group who potentially could change, who potentially could make a cure for uh, the zombie apocalypse. And so, and then long story short is they find out, Joel finds out later that they would have to kill Ellie to, to get the DNA out of her brain, I think, to try to make a cure. And Joel was like, hell no, that's not going to happen. And murdered a bunch of people. So many people. So many people in the process of saving his daughter, who he called the daughter, who is pretty much a daughter to him. And I would have done the same thing. Well, isn't, isn't there an option where you don't actually have to kill like all the people, at least in the hospital? On the show, there wasn't. Oh, on the show. I, I mean, <laughs> I, I don't. I mean, I was more than willing to kill everybody. So <laughs> I have no idea. Yeah, it's uh, funny because apparently there's a like there's a, there was a whole bunch of I don't know controversy is not the right word, but people were arguing about whether or not Joel did the right thing, and I was like, no, like I wouldn't like I wouldn't even blink. I'd do it three times over. For sure. Let, I, let I, the world have zombies. I'm not I'm not letting you kill my baby girl. Not a chance. I was going to say, I I didn't make it that far in the game because I, I just hated the controls. But I, I've heard people argue, like, you know, what's the, the greater good there and everything. I think that's Cho's good story writing is when you can have people argue. And there is a pacifist way to do it. Uh, my favorite part is that he didn't tell Ellie that. And he murdered a bunch of people. And I think that does a really good job with the story for The Last of Us Part Two. But I know there's a ton of controversy with the second game. And I just don't understand any of it, which is super sad. Jake? Yeah, I guess that I might think be that's the, the I think that's the only reason was... It was, uh, really sucks. I've heard some people complain. I haven't played the second one. I haven't played the first one. I obviously haven't seen the second season of the show as it has not come out yet. Um, but I've heard people complain about character assassination of Joel. Whether or not that's accurate, eh, I don't know. Yeah, I think um, I know the ending. But that's what I've I've heard. And honestly, I don't even need to see the second season. I'm torn. I'm not sure if I'm going to watch it or not, because I was so unbelievably happy with the ending of the show or the first season of the show that I was like, honestly, this can be done right here. And I'm OK with it. We're, we're talking about the movie real quick or the TV show. I think it was so awesome to see Juan Swan, Ron Swanson in a like gay relationship. <laughs> Spoiler, I haven't seen it yet. You haven't seen it? No. Dude, what are you doing? Uh, I don't have HBO. If I had to get rid of all of them. (laughs) 
<laughs> and I had to buy one, it would be HBO for sure. And then Crunchyroll right after that. But. Yeah, honestly, HBO from like when I did have it a few months ago before a, a merger of friends, they they did something and I ended up losing access to it. Wow, this seems <laughs> sorry. This seems saucy, dog. Well, story. I just, you know, it may have involved Mike and his crew. What was I talking about? I think HBO has a good set of lineups. Like I, when I was on there, it seemed like better than Netflix. Way better. Well, it's not hard. Really? Like Better Call Saul and Breaking Bad are the only reasons I've kept Netflix so far. And I, I haven't been enjoying the quarterback show. I've been watching an episode a day during my lunch. Quarterback solid. And man, Lou, I don't know if you, you played college at a, you played football at a higher level. But I just think it's so funny. Some of the stuff even like professional sports players will say like Patrick Mahomes will be on the sideline. Like, we got to get a field goal. Or we got to get a touchdown. I'm like, no, duh, idiot. Like, what do you, what, what, what do you think? Of course, you got to get that. Honestly, I will say out of all the years I played, I honestly never figured out. I never knew what was going on. I just as soon as they told me to get on the field, I kind of just went on the field. You didn't learn like, playbooks or anything? I mean, like, I didn't know the playbook. I mean, like, I knew if we were winning, if we were losing. Um, but <laughs> you were just I, like, I, this guy is running at me. I'm going to block him. <laughs> yeah, you, you know if it's a pass or a run, so you know uh, the proper block. Yeah, they're like, I knew most of the time. I knew when to get on the field. I did have to get yelled at a couple times. How many ineligible men? ineligible man down fields did you get in your career oh zero you would never <laughs> oh, see okay. me running that far you would never see me running that far <laughs> let's be honest here <laughs> yeah i did one time i did just like completely forgot to get on the field and nobody knew and then you were just playing with 10 men they were just playing with 10 men and the quarterback <laughs> got sacked <laughs> and and i'm watching the play as it happened you're like wait like, damn be out there. he just Dang, went in unblocked up the b-cap <laughs> Who is stopping this guy? What is the offensive line doing? Yeah, I was thinking about other things at the game. And that is why I played for a very small NAI school. All right. Uh, so my number two is a bit of a cheat. I picked Slackjaw and Granny Rags from Dishonored. And these two, these two people live basically right down the street from each other in the main town that or the main part of town that you spend probably the majority of your time. And you meet them right off on your first real mission. And uh, the first person you meet is Granny Rags. And she's just this old kind of weird out there grandma. But she has she has a rune and a shrine to the outsider. And the outsider is this strange ethereal being that has given you magic powers that the religious order of the day is staunchly opposed to now the religious order of the day is pretty scummy so i don't know how much to take into account their dislike of this guy but he's he's left very morally ambiguous and so you, you kind of know right off the bat like this lady is she's not just some kooky old lady but she's like hey there's a bunch of gangbangers downstairs would you go deal with them they keep trying to not like break in Canoodling. and if you if you <laughs> um, and if you do, I'll give you another. I'll give you another bone charm. And bone charms are your currency to buy upgrades. And so you're like, oh, absolutely. Um, and so you you go and you take out uh, these these gangsters and you get your your prize. You know, if you've gone that way, you will probably kind of continue down the road. I think it's actually on your second mission where you go back that way. There's these gangsters and they're like, hey, Slackjaw wants to see you. You start getting missions from Slackjaw and from Granny Rags and you can start to tell there's this weird tension between the two of them. They don't like each other. And uh, towards the end of the game, one of the last levels, you're you're, you're sneaking your way through the flooded district. It's kind of like a, a sewer area. And if you, you take this kind of side route, 
It's totally optional. You find Slackjaw chained up and J- Granny Rags has prepared this massive cauldron of creepy bubbling liquid. And she's talking about how she needs to melt away his fat and sinew so he can uh, she can carve his bones. And you have to decide, like, do I let Granny Rags just kill Slackjaw in whatever gruesome way, probably boiling in whatever that creepy potion is? Or do I try and take on Granny Rags? And it's just it's such a fun Totally optional mission that adds so much to the lore of the game. And taking on Granny Rags is really easy once you figure out how to do it. But it's not the easiest thing if you haven't figured it out. And she's definitely got some magic powers that you're not ready for right off the bat. And so, yeah, those two are just they're really cool. And it's really fun the way they, you know, you start off just doing jobs for each of them. And you, and but they're each kind of going after each other. And then it, it culminates in this like really gruesome fashion. Big fan of those two. Are you good at the game? Dishonored one. I'm I'm not speed run good, but I'm casual. Great. Okay. Can you do a pacifist run? Because I've heard those are the hardest one. I've, I um every time I play, I start with a, a full pacifist. No, uh, no I've never. I, I know I've done a no kill. I've missed one thing in one level every time and just been like, eh, screw it. I'm not going back and redoing it. I'm, I'm more than capable of going through and t- fixing that error if I wasn't lazy. It's one of those games where the, like once you have it memorized a little bit, it's still fun because there's so many other options. So you can go and you can try approaching the checkpoint from a different direction or you can just kind of slay it and take the route that you've kind of prefer and just feel like a total BA. So yeah, I I'm really good at Dishonored One. I am not good at Dishonored Two. Um the controls are just different enough that I have the hardest time playing. And I wanna like the game so much. And I get a little bit farther every time I play it. So the next time I play Dishonored One, I'll go in and play Dishonored Two and maybe I'll finish it then. I like I have all the hopes of the of doing the like doing a pacifist run and then I just kill one person and i'm just like well this is over and i just murder everybody <laughs> they make you feel such a bad person for murdering people and so it's kind of hard to play the game because you're like i <laughs> i want to be able to like do a pacifist run but you keep catching me one of my favorite ways to play is a absolutely no reset run because the way most people get a pacifist run is if you get caught, you just go back to your last save. Eh, I don't know. Uh, kind of cheating, I guess. Nothing wrong with uh, saves coming. Yeah. Oh, uh, <laughs> especially talking boulders. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but my favorite way to play is no, no saves coming, period. So you go in with whatever intentions you want, but you can't reset. You have to play all the way through. And so I've, I've had runs where I haven't killed anybody, but I had the alarm set and I had to run away and hide. Or I play, you know, I'll do runs where it's like, I won't kill anybody unless it's the only option. Then I'll kill you, but then I won't, you know, so like I won't sneak up and kill anybody. But if one person sees me and they're about to ring the alarm and I, it's my only choice, then uh, they're getting a blade in the neck. Uh, for, for me, I'm going back to one of my all-time favorite video game franchises, and that's The Legend of Zelda Twilight Princess. In Twilight Princess, there's probably the best companion in any Legend of Zelda games, and that's Midna, who is, I guess you could say, voiced by, uh, I'm going to butcher this name, uh, Akiku Komodo. And past Legend of Zelda games, it wasn't really voices. There'd be like a laugh and uh, a grunt and, you know, a shocked sound. So it's not like really voice acted. This character, she's a, the princess of the Shadow Realm, and she's been kicked out of her kingdom by the big bad. And she ends up joining Link, who has been turned into a, a wolf. At first, it's just she only helps Link so she can 
save her people. And because there's these prophecies about him and he, he starts meeting the prophecies. So she's like, oh, I'm just going to help him out so I can get the get what's best for me out of it. And then through this way, you see that she kind of you guys develop a friendship. It starts out uh, with her just freeing you. And then like about a third of the way through the game, she ends up like trying to sacrifice herself to, to save you. And it gets to this really emotional part of the game, and especially like the piano music in there. And you just like start to feel like really feel for this character. And you're like, I got to save her because she's on the, the cusp of dying. So you have to go to the Princess Zelda, who basically gives her gives me her life life force the, to stay alive. And it's just such a cool way that by the end of the game, she's like selfless. Even she started selfish, but now she's selfless. Legend of Zelda is known for annoying and frankly, unlikable companions like Navi, as uh, I don't know if it was as if it was Andrew or Mike made that joke last week when Lucian introduced <laughs> this topic. That was me. This is the really the most fleshed out Zelda companion. And it's it's really cool. Like I've said, basically repeat it over and over again. It's just growing with the character. And I think that's what really shows a good NPC is you see the growth in the character development. Memorable quote from her is some call our realm a world of shadows. That makes it sound unpleasant. Twilight there holds a serene beauty. You have seen it yourself as the sun sets on this world. Bathed in that light, all the people were pure and gentle. But things have changed once that foul power pervaded the world. That, that quote wasn't funny. That's a memorable. <laughs> Did I say funny? <laughs> no. It's just the other quote. <laughs> I'm just being an asshole. You guys play Twilight Princess? That's one of the few I haven't played, actually. I don't have a... Um, I guess I could get it on GameCube. It's actually interesting. For a Wii and GameCube, uh, so Link canonically is predominantly left-handed. So in GameCube, he is left-handed, but most people are predominantly right-handed. So they basically flipped the whole game horizontally for Wii. So Link is right-handed just so it matches that. And it's just interesting. So the whole game is in mirror mode, essentially, yep. right? So it's, it's all in mirror mode. Yep. So if you play it in GameCube, it's going to be, if you wanted to go left, you'd go right on the Wii. And I, just, I think that was a cool, innovative thing. This is probably the last good, like, companion character we'll get for Legend of Zelda because going forward I think they're going to stick to the Breath of the Wild model which I guess yeah. a lot of people liked but I I like the old Zelda model better yeah not a fan yeah I just Breath of the Wild seemed very empty compared to like other open world RPGs like Lucian said Red Dead Redemption 2 you just go wandering and you you find stuff like stuff really stuff finds you and then Breath of the Wild and I haven't really played too much of Tears of the Kingdom it it just seems like a lot of empty space so that's why I like the the old Zelda games better and I there's not really companions like that in the new Zelda games I will say I had that problem less in Tears of the Kingdom okay but it's still there yeah I've never really been a big Zelda fan to be honest with you I really liked Breath of the Wild I finished it in about like a week dang Makes sense. Um, it's a good game for non-Zelda fans. That it is yeah, yeah. the besides maybe Zelda Two. It is the least Zelda Zelda game. Yeah. It, people like it, so you know I'm happy for them. I'm I'm happy other people like to experience the the series I love so much. Yeah. But honestly, if that game didn't have Zelda in the title, I wouldn't have a tenth as much of an issue with it as I do with Zelda in the title. Mm -hmm. yeah. uh, I can see why people are so frustrated with, and, I, and it, it does feel. Do you think about like the reason why they did that is to get more people to like the series, right? Like, mm -hmm. there's no other. Yeah, yeah, and that's, and, and, and they survived. And they well, I think that. I think Breath of the Wild was truly they wanted to experiment with it, and then once you know it blew up, they're like, oh well, now we're just do this from now on. Well, didn't uh, it start off with just DLC, but they had so many ideas that they just created a, a second game. Is that how? Right? I don't know how the. How that came about? Yeah, I'm pretty sure I'll have my intern check it out. Um, <laughs> but I'm pretty sure that sounds like the Silk Song, the the Hollow Knight sequel 
that that yeah. is the story there. But Legend of Zelda: Ocarina of Time was the the first video game I had, like I remember playing. So that's why it's always been like the Zelda series has been near and dear to my heart because that's like kind of what kicked off my gaming life. That's super cool. All right. Uh, so my number one is probably the most about. Hopefully, will be the most biased op- opinion that I will ever have on this podcast. My first video game crush. Can anybody guess? Let's see. Your PlayStation. Tomb Raider. Uh, could be Ooh, Tomb. really close. Really close. I Samus like that Aaron. Who's that? Metroid. Oh, breaking Met- my heart. Metroid. Man. Well, I also don't know because Laura oh, Croft is a, is a main character, so I don't know. She is a main character. Afrara uh, from Prince of Persia. Oh, okay. it's kind of close. Uh, it is really close. Yeah, yeah. She was one of the first games I remember playing as a child. Uh, my first understanding what an NPC is. She's the first thing that popped in my head. I thought about it. Pretty simple story. You start off as you are the prince. You start off with evading Ferrara's country, and Ferrara ends becoming a prisoner of war. And I can't remember the reason why, probably overpower, I'm assuming, but you open up the Sands of Time, everybody becomes zombies, and then you and Farah have to uh, stop the Sands of Time. I, th- I think like there's like a Jafar situation where he's end up being the bad guy. Uh, the, the scary guy with the, the big staff always ends up being the bad guy. I She's kind of useful. She has a bow and arrow. She Another similarity this- to Tomb Raider. Yeah, she kind of crawls. She crawls into small spaces, helps you out that way. Yeah, there's not much that you could do with her in, in that time. I mean, it was better than like a lot of NPCs back in the day where they would just wander off or you had to protect them and they would just be so hard to protect. She at least like tried to kill some zombies with you. Yeah, I feel like the, the Prince of Persia series got kind of done dirty by Assassin's Creed, where Assassin's Creed really took off. It kind of built on what Prince of Persia was and then took off and then Ubisoft forgot about Prince of Persia and just cranked out assassin's creed i mean to be fair the first three games were amazing i, I love what they did the second one was a little off i will say what uh assassin's creed i didn't 2? like no no no, no. prince of persia prince of okay persia. oh that's, yeah, that's yeah. Assassin's- everybody loves the second one i mean of prince of, of uh assassin's creed. yeah we'll never talk bad about that but the first three games of prince of persia i think were amazing second one was a little off i think they some things i didn't agree with and they hired godsmack the band to <laughs> to play i don't know if you guys know godsmack at all really weird band yeah yeah uh, wouldn't recommend them uh but there's a godsmack song in the game and they play it religiously anytime something crazy happens they play it and it just drove me nuts well i mean if you paid for it you might as well use it unlike i, I guess like <laughs> halo 2 had breaking benjamin write a song and it's like in one little portion it's a good song too and so like one little hallway scene for halo 2 and i wish they played it more uh, so my number one is uh, Gary Oak from Pokemon <laughs> Red, Pokemon Blue, Pokemon Yellow, Pokemon Gold, Pokemon Silver, Pokemon Crystal, Pokemon Fire Red, Pokemon Leaf Green, Pokemon Soul Silver, and Pokemon Heart Gold. F you, let's go Pikachu, and let's go Eevee. Hold up, uh, hold up, hold up. Saying Gary Oak, but you're not giving him his canonical proper name. We're beefing. We're beefing. I like beef. Beef is good. His, his real I name is Blue in the, in the games, but go ahead. Fair. All right. Well, it depends. I played a lot of yellow and I believe it gave you the option for Ash and Gary as your names in yellow. I'll give you yellow. Uh, that was, that they did tend more towards the TV show, but yes, blue, red and blue, blue is, is fair. Red is Ash and blue is Gary. He was his name was a lot different when I got to name him. I will say <laughs> yeah, that's true. <laughs> that, Dirt face that is, is a nicer fair. name, but I, I genuinely um, I've played I think I played up to sun and moon. I think what is that? Seven generations and just easily gary is by far uh the best rival just no no question 
because uh, he's it, it's such an interesting dynamic because he's always getting to the gyms first. Like if you read that little sign, it tells you that Gary Oak or whatever you named him, that, that you know, he beat the gym before you. But you always beat him in the head to heads story wise. And it's such an interesting thing. Just one to think about. He's always insulting you. He's always hitting you with the smell you later. And if you really think about it, there's probably that like a ton of like in, uh, insecurity in the character just because he wants to be the best, but he's always getting one upped by you. And even though he gets there first, you're still better than him. But because he's always a difficult fight and because he's always insulting you, it just it drives you to, to want to be better. And so it really is a true rivalry, which is something that just started going downhill immediately after the, the first generation of games. But so, yeah. And then uh, the first time, the first time I beat the elite four, I made it through on revives and full restores and white knuckles. Like I had no business beating the elite four with the, the level I had on my team, but I would just, I'd managed to stay alive and be reviving and full restoring people until I could get a hit in and just, you know, chisel them away. And I finally beat Lance. I had a Pokemon and a half at most. And I was so excited to have beat the game that I, I didn't even read the dialogue and I walked up and I walked right into the final fight with the rival with a Pokemon and a half. Like I didn't even heal up before the final fight and I managed to cheese my way through it the same way I managed to cheese my way through the rest of it, just reviving and full restoring my way through. But it was such just a intense and terrifying moment for me, that fight where I was like, I did it. And I, I, all of a sudden, just the elation of beating this game was just ripped away from me. And I was in the fight of my life and I was underprepared. And that was awesome. But what I really, really like about the character is that in the second games, he takes over as gym leader for Giovanni. He's the final gym leader in, when you go back to Kanto. And you kind of get to just see the mature, the the maturation and just the, the mellowing of gary or whatever you of blue as a character yeah i think it's really cool because he starts out as your rival and because he's such a jerk he pushes you to be better and then the next time you meet him in the second game you see that he's also grown which is something you don't always see in your bad guys not even bad guys just your your antagonists and yeah so that's why he's my number one yeah well one reason he might be such a, a jerk is his grandpa can't even remember his his own name so shoot <laughs> that's fair that's fair <laughs> one thing i think is also interesting because i i actually thought about having blue as in my top five was um you do see a change in the first gen there's this theory it's never confirmed but that your main you the main character kill his mm. uh radicate is, is yeah. eradicate at that point because you you battle him and then he, he has his eradicate and then next time you see him he's in lavender town which is basically the, the the town where this giant like graveyard is to pokemon he's like mourning and usually he would fight you but he just like is sobbing and runs away so there's this theory that you end up fighting him and killing his pokemon and that kind of like starts to turn him around that's a great option like i i I thought about having even just like the rivals through Gen 1s and 3s on here. If he was more of an NPC, I was going to say Red from Gen 2, just because that mm -hmm. is such a memorable moment. He doesn't actually even say anything, but he is yeah. a, a non-playable character mm -hmm. in that realm. When yeah, he, he uh, Red just... I, uh, I think I ran into Red for the first time at like 12 years old, and I was maybe 23 the first time I finally beat him. It's no joke. Yeah, that is a serious fight. And they actually, Red and Blue do make an appearance in uh, Sun and Moon in the post game. Yeah, I, 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 um, 
I was pretty sure they were also in um, in black and white or black and white two in the the battle tower or whatever it is. But really, it was just Gen one and Gen two that that storyline. I just thought it'd be fun to list off all of those games. What did, what did you name your rival, Lou? Oh, I mean anything under the book. I mean anything that. I mean I'm not. Uh, <laughs> nothing I could stay on this podcast. <laughs> I was a I was a Pokemon player way before I became a Christian. So. so for my number one, did any of you guys play the Elder Scrolls series? I tried Oblivion for a hot second. I didn't get past the jail, to be honest with you. I tried. Uh, what's the shoot? Why am I drawing a blank? Skyrim. Yeah, thank you. What the heck? Um, I tried Skyrim, but it was right after I finally got a feel for the controls and all the RPG settings of uh, of Dark Souls. And I started a little bit. and I was like, no, I'm not learning another RPG immediately after figuring out this one and just kind of never went back. But I did download it recently on PS5. It's on the list for whatever, yeah. whatever that means. Sorry, I just assumed that Skyrim was a given. Like everybody should play Skyrim. So I didn't even include Skyrim. And did you play Skyrim though? Oh, I played religiously. Played Skyrim. Okay, so you'll you'll know this character. I think this character really comes to fruition in Elder Scrolls IV: Oblivion. But you'll you'll definitely know um, who it is, and that is the Daedric Prince of Madness, Shea Gorath, voiced by Wes Johnson. Like I said, it's Welsh, really. Yeah, I mean, obviously, it's the only obvious (laughs) choice. Uh, His first big appearance, as I said, was in Elder Scrolls IV. Oblivion in the Shivering, Shivering Isles DLC. In this expansion, the, the player finds a portal to the Realm of Madness and ends up making his way to the, the Mad Throne itself. Throughout the, the expansion, the player is tested and toyed with and ends up becoming the champion for the, the Daedric Prince. And then Sheagorth tells the hero of Kavach that at the end of every era, Jigalag, the Daedric Prince of Order, rises up to destroy the Realm of Madness and force Sheagorth to, to restart from scratch. And throughout the DLC, you kind of start getting these pieces, these clues that maybe that's not all what it says. And by the end, you find out that Jigalag is actually a side of Sheagorath, where he, he it's his true form, and he kind of he gains temporary sanity and hates what he sees and just destroys everything. You, the player, have to fight this this Daedric Prince who is... Daedric Princes are like lesser deities in, in that world, kind of like the, the Maiar in... Uh, Lord of the Rings, so kind of think of that Maiar if that analogy helps you. If not, just throw it out the window. You end up defeating him, and then the main character becomes the avatar of Sheogorath, and slowly throughout the time, morphs into him, begins to look like this this uh, crazy-looking character. And you actually find out in Skyrim, he, he makes a, a side note of the things that happen in 4. So you can tell that it is the, the hero from 4 has become fully become this uh, Daedric Prince of Madness. And probably one of my favorite quotes from him, and it he has so many, but it, it was, I once dug a pit and filled it with clouds. Or was it clowns? Well, whichever it was, it began to smell. Ah, must have been clowns. Clouds don't smell. They taste of butter and tears. <laughs> uh, yeah, it, it's just, he has so many lines, like saying he's going to kill you and jump rope with your intestines or, you know, trying to give people cheese. And really the, the mainline Elder Scrolls game really knock it out of the park. The Elder Scrolls Online kind of just deduces him to he likes a lot of cheese and says a lot of cheese things. I think he is unforgettable and the the way he is written and voiced is amazing. I played a lot of Skyrim. I have no idea who you're talking about. So I don't you, even remember running into him. So you have to you meet this one of his servants in solitude. He's like, I got to get back to my master. And uh, you end up going into the, the palace and like go into this realm of dreams and you get the Wabajack and you like which randomly turns things into random objects or you know, random things. I, I I was surprised that you didn't say the arrow to the knee guy. <laughs> Honestly, I thought it was coming. I was like, I'm, 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 be serious. I, Honorable so mention. 
So next next week I'll be hosting. My topic is top five fictional worlds that you would want to live in. It can be from movies, books, games, shows, etc. And I'll allow one alternative Earth. Um, oh, okay. So like, you can say Star Trek, but if you say Earth in Star Trek, that counts as your Earth. But you could say planet Vulcan or whatever it's sure. called, and that doesn't count as your Earth. So just stuff like that. Like I said, any form of medium uh, you're allowed to, to choose. Very cool. There's a lot of easy guys. Uh, in anime so I feel like I have a lot of good shots of mm-hmm. some good stuff and you can also interpret that as five worlds you'd want to be like the main character or five worlds that you would just want to live in because there's some worlds that I I would like to live in but I definitely would not want to be the main character so right. uh, I'll leave that up to your guys' uh, discretion on how you want to interpret that if you are the main character do you have all the powers of the main character? we'll say yes okay Ooh. Well, my number one just got established because I'm about to live like a freaking king in Minecraft. <laughs> That's a risky world, but all right. <laughs> uh, probably not, uh, but it's tempting. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Top Podcast. If you're watching this on YouTube, please comment and subscribe. If you're listening to this on Spotify or Apple Podcasts, please comment and leave a review for us. Uh, keep rocking in the free world. Do, 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 do. <laughs> Nobody's going to say doo doo. What the hell? Doo doo. Okay. Thank you. <laughs> Learn. Shout out to Nardwar.